You are listening to the podcast series for Mission to Amish People. Mission to Amish People is a Christian ministry with a threefold purpose of evangelizing and discipling Amish and former Amish, helping Amish people who leave their communities by helping them transition into the English world, and by presenting the ministry to churches nationwide. You can find out more about Mission to Amish People by going to their website at www.mapministry.org. This podcast is a special one-part podcast entitled Ministering to the Amish Community by Pastor John Bouquet. Key insight to this, and that is simply this, that God wants every culture on the face of the earth to be saved. That's it, okay? It doesn't matter about anything else. God wants every cultural population of people to be saved. If you agree with that, say amen. Now, here's the problem. For I bear them record that they have a zeal for God. Insight number one from this scripture. Insight number one from this scripture. Many people have a desire to know God, but in zeal they don't know him. How much interest and energy you have about God doesn't make you a Christian. Praise the Lord for that. There's a lot of religious people in the world. And there's a lot of religious people that have uttered the words really simply like this. Lord, God, I believe in you and all those things. And they're going to split hell wide open someday. To their own shock and amazement. Because they thought they knew God. But Jesus is going to say, what are the words he's going to say? I, what? Never knew you. It's not about you knowing him as much as it is about him knowing you. However, if you know him, you'll know that he knows you. And, and you'll know that you know. Can you agree with that? You know when you know. That's what the Bible said. You can know. I know whom I have believed. Amen. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which what? I committed to him. Okay. He hasn't lost any yet. Praise God. Are you with me? Okay. Now I'm going to preach to 930 instead of 10 because you're with me. All right. Number two, insight. Look at this. Underline your Bible. They have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. In other words, they have a passion. They have an interest. They have an, an infatuation. They have zeal. They have whatever energy they want to put toward God, but they don't know him. Number two, scripture says, I didn't write this. They were ignorant of God's righteousness and they went about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Insight number two, many people are ignorant of God's righteousness or what we call uninformed followers. Now, what is God's righteousness? Rather, let me restate that. Who is God's righteousness? Jesus Christ. They're ignorant of Jesus Christ. I grew up in a Catholic home, half Catholic, half nothing, which equals nothing, okay? And my mother came to Christ three years after my father married her. Now, my mother found Jesus Christ, the Lord of salvation, the forgiveness of sins, and everything else that goes with it, and my father did not, and rebelled against that for the next 22 years. That's the kind of home I grew up in. One woman connected with God, understanding the word of God, one man trying to shut the program down. Guess who won? Somebody, guess who won? God did. 1981, my father came close to dying and he came to Christ in the ambulance. As my mother said, you better get saved if you're going to die. That's a true story. On the way to the hospital, his appendix had burst. The ambulance guy is, listen, lady, get out of the way. We got to work on your husband. And she said, get out of the way. He needs Christ. Guess who won? God did. (laughs) The ambulance guy sat to the side, praise the Lord. 
Okay, now listen, that's what it's all about, folks. Now, my father worshipped God. He went and bowed before idols and did all kinds of crosses and everything else that went on. But he didn't know God. Okay, the insight number two, people are ignorant of Jesus Christ, even though they know his name. Number three, insight number three is simply this. People are going around trying to establish their own righteousness or what I call self-improvement. They're trying to get God to like them. They're actually trying to get his attention. And you know what? You can't get God's attention by doing good deeds. Now, that's true in any culture. That's true in the English culture. It's true in the Amish culture. It's true in the American Indian culture. It's true in the Muslim culture. It's true in the Jewish culture. Every culture of society has a self-effort to appease God. And we're not saying the Amish are any different than any other culture. All we're trying to do is love our neighbors, right? So how do we go about and why do we go about reaching these people? Well, let me share with you the next slide, which says simply this. Little did we know. Little did we know that three things were going to happen. Little did we know that some of the people of our church, when I, in 1982 when I came here, I came to a church full of farmers. Now, I'm from New Jersey. Anybody know where New Jersey is? I know. Don't, it's embarrassing to say. It really is. Uh, I didn't want to come to Ohio. My father took me to Ohio because he worked for General Motors, and they told him, you're going to go work in Ohio, and he told me I'm going with him. So I came against my will. I was a city slicker. A farm to me was a picture book. Okay, and then I landed in the middle of nothing. Seriously. And I'm introduced to farmers. And I asked the dumbest questions in the world. First time I took me to a milk farm, they had these plastic things on the ears. And I said, how'd those things get there? And the guy goes, he was born with them. <laughs> for a while, I started thinking, well, man, you know, things happen different on the farm. It was a whole new world for me. Now, the second new world for me was not only to land to a church full of farmers and bib overalls, but to land in the culture of the Amish. And to start to understand. Now, here's the really good thing, folks. My people in my church, our church family and their farmers, they were friends with the Amish people. And I'd go on the milk farms and the guys would come over and the Amish would come over and they'd read the newspapers. They'd use, I would talk, these people just walk in the house, use their phone. I thought, my, we're doing, oh, that's our good friends. They all had the same name, Miller, Yoder, Kine. Now, what happened, folks, that changed my life was the, friend, the farmers and the Amish families were like this. They were friends. And my old farmer started to die. And pews of church, pews in this church, mostly over here. They never sat in this section here. The, the Amish always sat on the outside. Seriously. They were friends of our people. And when we had a death of one of our farmers, the Amish came in the numbers of pews. Two and three and four and five pews of people. I was amazed by that. That captured my attention. They captured my attention. We did funerals. We gave eulogies. I met the Amish families. We talked to them. They would tell me how wonderful the relationship was for so many years between the farmer and the families and the Amish families. And on and on it went. And we would do a wonderful eulogy. And I'd watch the men and women just kind of nod. Yes, that's the man we knew. And then I would preach the gospel. And then I would find the most amazing thing on the face of the earth happen. Amish hands would go up. When I said, is there anybody that needs Christ today? You need to know the forgiveness of your sin. And I'd see this Amish hand go up. And I was like stunned. Because people were telling me, well, they're Christians. They're all Christians. And they're good Americans. And all that kind of... And then an Amish hand would go up here. And an Amish hand would go up there. And an Amish hand would go up here. And I started to get into my brain. Wait, wait. Just because somebody lives in a culture 
that has good traits doesn't make them a Christian. Just because they go to church every Sunday and wear really nice clothes and drive buggies and don't pollute the society and doesn't mean they're a Christian. And we just started to think and we started to get to know them and then we found that some of them were coming to faith in Christ and when they came to faith in Christ and they came and they educated and they shared their religion and they shared their faith and they, we found out, no, there's not an automatic entrance into the family of God. You have to still come by faith, amen? That changed our entire perspective of who our neighbors. Little did we know that friends and funerals would result in faith in somebody's life. Number two, do you agree with this statement, little is much when God is in it? Turn to Luke 14. Luke chapter 14, Luke's gospel. By the way, if you're studying your scriptures, tell me the gospels, all four gospels. Ready? Tell me what they are. Ready? Matthew. Good. You're, you're good Bible people. Say it again. Ready? Matthew, Luke, and John. We call those the, the gospels, the good news books, right? Luke is, a, a, is the book of, of, of action. Everything's moving in the book Luke is a doctor. He's a house call doctor. You got, a, you got sick? Doctors don't make house calls anymore. They just take your house when you call them. Amen? Okay. When I was a kid, I had a doctor come and make a house call. Little black bag, stethoscope, put a penicillin shot in this butt and hit this butt with his hand. And both of them hurt. Okay, that was my doctor. Came to the house. Now, how, they don't do that anymore. Dr. Luke is always on the move. So you have the, the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Then you have the book of Action. Faith without works is... Oh, you, you just sounded dead when you said that. Faith without works is dead. So we have the Gospels and then we have action. And who's the author of the two books that have the most action in them? Luke. Luke 14, what's it say? You know this, but I want you to understand that if you, uh, if you have neighbors and they live around you and you know they don't know Christ, you better do something about it. So we have little as much when God is in it. Luke 14, 23, And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges and apologize to them. No, ignore them. It doesn't say, it uses a very strong word here. It's the word compel them to come in because the goal of the local church should be what? That my house may be full. You know that two Sundays from now, almost all our churches are going to be full. Isn't that cool? I think it's the greatest Sunday of the whole year, frankly, to be honest with you. I don't even get depressed the next Sunday. I don't even pick on people. They go, hey, they come Christmas and Easter. Praise God they come. I'm going to give them the gospel, though. <laughs> if I only get one shot, you're going to get my best kick. Now, folks, listen. We have an admonition to go into the highways and hedges. We don't have highways around here. We have dirt roads. Okay? We have country lanes. And we have to go down those country lanes and compel these people to come in. Okay? And I can tell you this, that John and Laura Kime, which are Joe's parents, I've been on their house and their property and their farm when they lived here many, many, many times. It will never be said that this church did not care about their souls. John Kime looked at me one day and said, I'll never walk into your church. I said, don't ever say during his grandson's funeral, he sat right there. Would God use a baby's death to win a man to Christ? Yes, he will, folks. Listen. Glory to God. Listen. We have responsibility, little as much when God is in it, to go into the highways and the hedges and to compel people to go in, to persuade them, to convince them. Yes, if, listen to me, to debate them, okay? To, to enter them into a conversation and say, yes, you can say this, but God said this. You have to submit someday, ladies and gentlemen. The Bible says that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that what? Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Either we do it voluntarily or it will be done under exertion someday. I pray it be done voluntarily. Amen? Number two, 
Number two, turn to Mark 16, 15. Mark 16, 15. Many of you know this. Now, more than likely, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but more than likely, if you want to study your Bible, I don't know. How many of you know that Mark was the first Gospel of the four written? How many of you know that? Four of you. That's great. Now, the rest of you know that. Okay. Mark was probably the first Gospel written. It's the shortest Gospel because it's the first Gospel written. And it's uh, one that the rest of those guys looked at occasionally, so there was sort of an outline that followed all the way through all four Gospels. Okay, And that's not uncommon in the writing of various portions of God's Word. But Mark 16 is the shortest version of what we call the Great Commission. Okay, And, he, and here's what it says, Mark 16, 15. He said unto them, Go ye into all the world. Well, let's make that, let's just, let's just the world's a big place. Should we send the missionaries around the world? Now, I have a problem with this. I'm just going to be really honest with you. I have a problem sending a lot of money overseas to all kinds of people we don't even know and letting our own neighbors go to hell. I have a problem with that. Now, Pastor Bouquet, how is your missions program here? Well, last year we gave $129,000 to mission. Locally? Locally? Nationally? Are there any lost people in America? Really? We have a university down here. The kids come from Saudi Arabia, Iran, and Iraq. We try to win those to Christ, too, because they're free missionaries. <laughs> you get them saved, they go back and share the gospel for free. If you don't say amen, I'll preach till 10. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's the good news. Now, what's the gospel? Anybody know the three tenets of the gospel? You know what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15? That the gospel is this. Paul said the gospel is defined as this. That Jesus died, and it has a little catchphrase there that goes in the front of the gospel and the back of the gospel. It's really key. Most people don't even get this. It actually says this, okay? That Jesus died according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again. And guess what it says? Here's the tag. Because the authority of God is what? The scriptures. The scriptures go into the highways and the hedges. Go into, here's what I believe it means, the world of the Amish and the world of the Jewish and the world of the Muslim and the world of the Japanese and the world of the Russian and the world of the Chinese. So why would we think anything less than going into the world of the Amish if they're our neighbor? I want you to turn to one more scripture. Turn with one more scripture, please. Maybe the most important one. I saved it for last because I think it's important. Mark chapter 12. Now, you can, you can look in Matthew as well, but Mark 12 is cool, okay? Mark chapter 12. Now, we're, two scriptures, 31, 33. Just look at these. Mark chapter 12, verse 31 and 33. Now, you know this. Jesus summarized all the commandments down to two, right? Make sense, right? Love God with what? Heart, soul, mind, body, everything you are as a person. From the top of your hair to the bottom of your feet. Love God first, right? Make sense? Does that make sense? That's this part of the cross, okay? The relationship between God and man is primary for all of humanity, correct? And then it says this, to love your as... How many of you love yourself? Okay, keep your hands up. See how many people love themselves. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. All the hands are starting to go up. I don't want to be not included. How many of you love yourself? Okay, if you don't raise your hand up, I'm going to make you stand up. How many of you love yourself? Folks, if you don't love yourself, do you know why you don't love yourself? You're actually mad at your creator. I, I grew up that way. I had two things I didn't like about me, and I blamed God. I, was, I didn't like the fact that I was small. Because if you're small, you want to be tall. If you're tall, you want to be small. If you're wide, you want to be thin. If you're thin, you want to be wide. If you're white, you want to go to the beach and become black. It's true. Is it not true? In the world we're living in today, if you're a boy, you want to be a girl. If you're a girl, you want to be a boy. And some of them are trying to be both. I don't know how to do that. 
Folks, we got a crazy world. Are you agreeing with me? Love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't love yourself, being simply this, that God made you unique. He made you with you in mind and no one else. You have the only fingerprint on the face of the earth the way you are because your God thinks you're more important than everybody else. And then he says, because I made you special, I want you to love you. Because if you love you, you love me. Because I made you. You think I'm kidding? How many of you love your kids? Don't raise your hand. You have, you'll need counseling afterwards. <laughs> well, if Casper Bouquet and my kids, I'm not sure I love them. You know what? When it comes down to it, if they said, I kill you or I kill them, who are you going to kill? Me. Because I love my kids. God loves his kids. Now, folks, here's the problem in the Christian church today. I'm going to tell you, bottom line, just what I said. The indication in early on, how many of you love yourself, is about six people. The reason we don't love our neighbors is because we actually don't love ourselves. We don't like things about ourselves. And the reason we don't like them is because there's some things about us we don't like in comparison to somebody else. And we actually deepen our soul. We don't want to admit it. We never admit it publicly. I'm mad at God. I didn't like the color of my hair. Everybody called me Carrot Top. Now, I have never figured that out. Every time I have seen a carrot and the top of the carrot's always green. Yes? So it just never went like my hair's not green. Or then they'd call me red. My mom taught me, don't ever respond to red. So I'd keep walking. Never turn to red. Now, I got mad at God about that. Instead of thanking God for my uniqueness, I was mad at him. And that anger in the soul kept me from really caring about other people properly. Now, there's three premises for what we do here as as a mission. We have a... Listen, we, this church, not you, your visitors... We have a responsibility to go into the highways, hedges, country roads, back lanes, long driveways, smelly farms, okay? That's our world, and they're our neighbors. And we don't do it because somebody told us to do it. We do it because God commanded us to do it. And all we're trying to do, honest to God, is get a whole bunch of other churches that live among Amish communities to do the same thing. The fastest growing people group in the United States happened to be Amish because they literally believed God. They're the only ones that believe God. The rest of us are stuck on 1.2 kids per family. They believe God. They love God enough to say, multiply and replenish the earth. And they said, you know, if married people have babies, we can have a lot more than them. So they're the fastest growing people. They don't ask how much it costs. They don't care how much they cost. They just believe in having babies and making families and passing their faith on and keeping their culture alive. I don't have any problem with that. If we had that in our churches today, we could actually outnumber the the liberals in the world. But we believe that 1.2 kids per household is enough. By the way, does anybody have a point two? They're weird, point two kids are. Now, what do we do with this? Well, let me me share with you the lasting results. Just look on the screen. Here's what I think it's going to come, maybe. Okay, number one. Joe and Esther Kine arrive at our church. A little runaway Amish couple, scared to death. And a family in our church, Jerry and Carol Guest, adopted them and let them stay in their home, in the basement of their home in Ashland. And they basically taught them how to incorporate themselves into the English culture. While their families and their loved ones banged on the doors, knocked on the windows, cried, wrote letters, on and on again. And, And I have no problem with that, folks. They saw their kids as wayward. That's, that's the way Joe's family saw them at the time. However, what happened on, on the inside of Joe and Esther was more important than what was going on on the outside. Okay. Do you understand that? Now, that changed everything. Lots of things fell into place. 
The Kimes had security. The Gesses had love and admiration, mentoring, discipleship, okay? And, and a result of that happened is we all started to understand the Amish community. And we didn't get mad at the Amish. We just got a burden for them. We thought, well, there's a lot of other people out there besides Joe and Esther that have a need in their soul. Now, Joe gets a good job, and he's making a lot of money working over in Mansfield. And he'd come in my, he's, he's on our deacon board. He said, man, I got a big bonus. And he'd share his bonus with his kids. He'd never share his bonus with his pastor. I never understood that. If you had a pastor like me, don't you think you'd share your bonus? Come on, folks. Would you say amen to that? Would you like Joe to share your, his bonus with you? Joe, share the bonus with everybody. Everybody gets $10 off your ticket. Compliments of Joe. But, but, but the whole time, God was working in his heart. And we'd have these discussions. He's like, Pastor, I, just, I want to I help my people. I want to reach my family. And one by one, brothers would come to Christ. We'd share the gospel with neighbors. I mean, Joe knew the whole Amish community. Now, part of that community today despises him. But it's not a, a despising because he's a bad man. They just despise the message. But you know, there's a side of the Amish community who's come to Christ. They love him. Okay? God's done a marvelous work because a man listened to the Spirit of God and changed life. Now, that seems like the end of the story. Actually, that's only the beginning of the story. What happens a little bit later on is Joe's willing to leave the workplace, give up the cushy job, the big bonus, and take a leap of faith into the unknown called ministry for the supreme purpose of creating an organization to reach the Amish across the United States of America. And hence, we started a thing called MAP. Everybody say it. Mission to the Amish people. That makes sense? What's our main goal? evangelize Amish people. Are we trying to get Amish people to leave their culture, run away from their families and get... No, we're not. But you know what? I found some things that's really... It's educated me. I found out over the years. You know what? Um, Amish people are just like English people. Yeah, they're immoral. Anybody, in, in, anybody ever know anybody that's immoral? Really, it's amazing. Amish are immoral too. And they get involved in the vices of this world, alcohol. They get involved in, in uh, drugs. They do things wrong illegally. I, how do I know? Because I've been to court with them. <laughs> we visited them in jail. And don't get on their case because I visit English people in jail too, okay? And I've been to court with them too. And that's going to go on and on because here's what's, it, it doesn't matter. You can wear black clothes, blue clothes, or green clothes. You can live on a farm with all kinds of animals or you can live in a really nice house that has no animals. And the nature of humanity has no difference, okay? So the same problem. Now, the other thing that we have got going for us today that is to help us understand is in the beautiful Amish community, they don't have some of the resources to help some of those people that have those kinds of problems. Whether you want to know this or not, it's, a, it's a, a valid fact because we deal with it here at this church over and over and over again. There's a huge problem with incest. It's a huge problem with spousal abuse. An Amish man will treat his Amish horse better than his wife. I got a problem with that. Ladies, that was your chance. You had a chance to say, oh, pastor, amen. Listen, I believe a man ought to take care of his woman. Treat her with respect and honor. Ladies, say it louder, please. Now watch this. I see all the ladies going, ugh. Now, what's the point? Here's the point. Last slide. Ready? Just want to give you a few statements. Look at them really carefully. All of this is done for the glory and the honor of a great God and his son, Jesus Christ. Right? It's all for God's glory. Now, the good news is he's not done yet. We are never going to run out of possible converts. In fact, the Amish ministry may be around when all the other ministries are done. Because Amish keep replenishing. Amen? 
That's a glorious. Now, the good news, folks, you're going to hear some things this week. It's amazing. Do you realize there's a revival in the Amish? Really? How many believe in the gospel? Say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who? Wow. So if Amish people believe, what might happen in the Amish community? Oh, wow. Now, some of you need to get that thing together because you know what? If it's happened in the Amish community, it might happen in the English community if we shared the gospel. Okay? Sometimes we can be more sensitive to the Amish community and not as sensitive to the English community. Thank you for listening to this podcast series. Check out Mission to Amish People online at www.mapministry.org or keep up to date with us on Facebook and Google+. Thank you again and have a blessed day.